The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and this is a new season of Three Yards Per Carry. This is our seventh season. Simon, does it feel like seven years that we've been doing this? It was our seventh season. Uh, Chris, were you surprised when I told you this is our seventh season? Seven years doing this? You know, I actually, I actually, I think I, I think I expressed this last time. Like it seems, it seems like a shorter time we've been doing the podcast and a longer time that we've been doing the Discord. I don't know how that works out, but right, (laughs) yeah. Maybe it's because we have to put away people saying that Michael Penix has got a weak arm every day. Uh, I, I like you going back and forth over Peter King. We'll talk about Peter King a little bit too oh, here in this that, first half. I mean, that guy's a good dude, but come on. Yeah, I, I like I like Mindy, but Jesus Christ, Peter King is the goat, right? Yeah, yeah he's a, he's the best. He's the best general NFL writer I've ever I've ever. I can't remember one better. Uh, that he's. I mean, I feel genuinely fundamentally sad that he's retired. Like, yeah, it feels like uh, there's something missing. There's going to yeah, be mi- something and, missing from Monday mornings, you know. Yeah, and he's such been in, uh, probably the same for both of you, but a really integral part of my NFL story, my NFL journey. Mm-hmm. Like, as important as the Armed Forces Radio was when I was growing up, as important as you know, I mean, it's just the Monday morning before I start work. That's what. You do, right? You read yeah. his column. And, you know, I get up extra early on a Monday morning just so I can read the column before work and read it with my cup of tea and soak it all in from the games the night before. And you get excited when he talks about your team and the nuggets over the years. And, like, even today, the very last the very last proper one, the little nugget about Valdez Scantling, you know, being the guy that called the fourth down play and Mahomes went to Andy Reid and said... Marcus says we should run this, and Reed called it, and that only came from a phone call that that Peter had with Patrick Mahomes on Monday. And you just think that you just don't get that. And you know, he, he also had that rundown with uh, with on uh, Mike McDaniel with that play yeah. uh, against Carolina. Yeah, uh, I thought that was really interesting, and it was a good insight into the way Mike McDaniel thinks thinks about things. You know, I was genuinely more excited to meet Peter King than I probably was for, for anything. And he was really, like everybody's saying today about how great, he really is that guy. He's really nice. I thought he looked old in Frankfurt, I have to say. I thought he looked, he looked like a 67-year-old man in Frankfurt. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way. He just looked like he, he was ready, if if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I'm, you know, I, I wish him all the best, but I think it's very selfish of him to quit. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah, what a guy! But don't, don't worry, you got you got Ben Solak to tide you over. <laughs> yeah, cosmic. You know, so every Monday now you get to read Ben Solak instead. I'd really like somebody like Jenny Ventas or somebody like you know a really good NFL writer. That I really like to take over that column, but I can't read Albert Breer every Monday, and I'm not reading Ben Solak. And you know, <laughs> but yeah, 
Yeah. Right. No, nah, Peter King. It was every Monday. Like I remember every single Monday. The first thing I did, I got my coffee on the early early Monday morning, and I read that. I read his Monday morning quarterback. You know, and then later turned into uh, what did he call it when when and and NBC bought it? They called it the Monday football morning quarterback, or what no, the hell did they call morning, it? Football morning in America. Yeah, that's football what they call it. Morning Fo- in America. That's right. Yeah, that's what they call it. Football morning in America. I wonder who the hell's gonna write that one. Uh, I know Albert Breer is taking over the old column. Yeah. But, well, as always, mm. this show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Use promo code 5FIVE. You deposit $100, you get $100. Now, this is key. This is for our listeners outside of the state of Florida because they are currently in a legal battle with the Seminoles. And if you know how that works, Seminoles get their way in this state all the time. Not 1% of the time, not 99% of the time, 100% of the time. So if you're a member of Price Picks outside of the state, you could continue playing past Thursday. If you're a member of Price Picks inside of this state, start looking for your fantasy entertainment or gambling entertainment elsewhere. And it's always Better Edge. They're still here. They're still here in the state of Florida, and they can't be pushed out because they're peer-to-peer. So you can go to betteredge.com forward slash five reasons the number five reasons you get twenty dollars just for signing up so uh, hard rock can't get rid of them all right uh we kind of knew that emmanuel ogba would be cut because how the hell else are we going to start cutting some of the salary to get out and be compliant under the cap and we kind of expected that Xavier howard would also be sacrificed and be made a june 1st designation so miami should be flush with cash on June 2nd, which could help them maybe sign somebody like Connor Williams, who Drew Rosenhaus made some very interesting comments about Connor Williams being a late signee. He also made some comments today to Joe Rose, which were interesting in and of itself when he said, every single client of mine on the Dolphins will have work on their contract. He has 12 on the team. <laughs> so so I guess that... So, so yeah, that's a lot of stuff. I, I don't know why Drew Rose, Drew Rose is not one to just say, you know, just throw bullshit at the wall. Okay. Like usually when he says some, something he has, there's a purpose behind it. So did he mean, did he, did he mean also the, the ones that, you know, aren't on the team free agents? Yeah. Cause he has a couple, he has Robert Jones. Uh, Robert Jones is restricted. He has uh Duke Riley, uh, Connor Williams, a free agent. Um, I think he has Van. He has Van Ginkel too. Yes, I believe he has Van Ginkel. He's 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 actually expressed like kind of surprising confidence in Van Ginkel coming yes. back. Yes, and and so has his wife. <laughs> so, yeah. So well, so that's a good sign. Yeah, that's you know? interesting. Yeah, because but not so I, much confidence on Connor Williams. <laughs> no, no, that has not been the case. But we're gonna. I start wonder here. if there's an agent, you know, client thing happening between those two like mm. you know it, it would explain some things yeah but we're gonna start here uh we kind of know what we're gonna do with with Xavier howard's money uh, it's pr- it's probably gonna go to draftees and maybe some somebody like connor williams that who's a late signee in june but that does leave a hole and no matter what you thought of how good or bad Xavier howard was he was actually very very good until he got injured uh, toward the end of the season, uh, I would say the last month and a week, 
He was not the same player he was the first 11 weeks of the season. But that's going to leave a hole, and that's something that they're going to have to replace. They're going to have to re- replace a boundary corner guy on, on the outside. How do you reasonably go about, and if you want to talk a, a little bit about Xavier Howard and what he meant to this franchise for eight years, you could go into that as well. But how do you reasonably begin to start replacing him? Because I think they're going to have to dive into the free agency market and look for some competition for some versatile competition for Cam Smith and Cater Kohu. And I think that's a start. Your thoughts, Simon? I mean, it's got to start with Cam Smith, mate. I mean, that's the he was the guy that was drafted to be the full time, long term replacement um, for Xavier Howard. We never saw him on the field, um, but he has got to he's got to be that guy. And look, you know, we talk about diving into the free agency pool and doing this and doing that. I think Dolphins fans have really got to temper their expectations in terms of the sorts of guys we're going to be signing in free agency. Uh, we are not flush with cash. Uh, these deals were not deals to allow us to spend mega bucks. These were deals to allow us to get close to actually getting under the the salary cap in and of itself. You know, if we come out of you know free agency and we've signed you know Arthur Millette and you know Demetrius Flanagan Fowles and Kevin Givens, <laughs> then I don't think people you know people are going to absolutely melt down. But I think this is the this is the bin that we're shopping in at the moment. You know, this window. Unfortunately, because of finances and, you know, high-priced free agent deals or trade deals with Tyreek and with with Jalen and et cetera, et cetera, I, you know, I don't think we're going to be, you know, I, I saw somebody the other day saying on, on social media, we should be signing Legereus Sneed. You just think, <laughs> in what world? Where, where do you think we're getting the cash from? In, in a world where there's no salary. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I, I, I think, you know, the the guys you know you look at corners and we we've talked about it we we, we did a free agency primer on uh, on onlyfins and I talked about guys like Emmanuel Mosley who was in Detroit who that they will know from San Francisco who uh, we've obviously brought over the, the the Detroit Lions secondary coach Emmanuel Mosley obviously um, uh, Keller Witherspoon sorry who was at the Rams but again another guy that, that the team will know I talked about Millet. Chris you talked about some guys as well in terms of you know Kendall Fuller would be amazing and. You know, Sean Murphy Bunting, you know, really good player. Um, but you know, it's, but those, it's, but those were the expensive guys, and absolutely. I don't expect us to be playing in that in that pool either. So absolutely. I mean, if I told you, if I told you, uh, Xavier Howard was going to cost, I forget how much was that, eighteen point five million this season or more. But let's say you could get Kenny Moore for nine million a season. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Well, except that Kenny Moore is a pure slot. You know, Kenny Moore's mm-hmm. not going to play outside. Kenny Moore's a slot corner. So, you yeah. know, what what do you then do with Kader Kohu? Who I would who I would assume you would move back to the slot. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I I love Kenny Moore. He's a great player, but I just don't think that's a viable proposition in terms of what you're looking to to do. As as for Xavier Howard, I was just thinking the other day. You know, in terms of and what an incredible servant he's been. What a great player. Uh, and I was just trying to think of a better second round pick that we've had historically and I was I'm just sat here now going down the list of you know better player than Chris Chambers I think um was Sertan a second round Patrick pick Sertan I think 1998 mm-hmm. who's the better corner Sertan or Howard uh Howard I got Howard number two all time behind Sam Madison oh, I got Sertan number three by the interesting because I think Sertan was a better corner than Madison I think Madison had better numbers 
yeah, but I weigh I weigh the eight years here better yeah. than what was it five years for Sertan here? I mean, those three cornerbacks, Sertan, what was Madison was a second rounder as well, wasn't he? Howard, Sertan, and Madison all second rounders. I'm not sure. I can Keith Sims. Three time Pro Bowler, Keith Sims. That's that's pretty good service. Jarvis Williams was a good player. John Offerdahl, 86. Mm. Offerdahl was a pretty decent player, wasn't he? I mean, I'm not sure he's better than those three. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, you're going back at Mark Duper, 1982. Yeah. That, that's, uh, he's the all time leading receiver. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, there you go. That's how good a second round pick Xavier Howard was. That he's mm. arguably the best player we drafted in the second round since 1982. You know, I mean that's a that's a pretty big indictment on his his talents and his ability and you know just the the way the ball attracted to him in terms of picks and big plays and you know some of the injuries down the stretch hurt him but hell of a player. Well, you know, Xavier Howard also taught me some lessons just uh, just in terms of draft evaluation and and the um, the the corners because sometimes I think we get a little antsy about draft um, prospect corners that are a little bit you know, a little bit on the handsy side, a little bit on the physical uh, handsy side. And Xavier was that, you know, at, um, coming out of college, uh, coming out of Baylor. Um, and I, I think, you know, maybe maybe some of the better corners in the NFL, the ones that you see week in and week out that are, that are, uh, that are really getting the job done the best are physical. I mean, they, they use their hands and they know how to do it. They know how to get away with it. They know how to, you know, um, if as long as it's not something that they have to do because they don't have the athleticism, then that's um, then and it's really it's it's it kind of flipped for me. It's like, ah, oh, you know, he's, he's too he's too handsy. That's a bad thing to, you know, hey, he's physical. That's a good thing. And um, and I think that that Xavier Howard really highlighted that for me personally. Yeah, I remember watching him. I remember watching him out of Baylor and I kept thinking. He's he's not quick footed, you know. Like he's he's not as twitchy as as you expect a guy that highly touted to be. But man, did he look different when he got here? <laughs> you know, he looked faster. Uh, he has a he has an interesting stat by the way. He's played in two playoff games. He has an interception in each <laughs> in his career. Uh, you know, but his injuries toward the end of his career made him a little bit less reliable. Well, um, there's also an age thing. I mean, the corners yes. don't really last. People know that running backs don't like. I mean, now I think the the age thing with the running backs is is somehow getting even shorter. It used to be thirty and forget about it for running backs. Well, now it's it seems like it's getting shorter. But um, but the history with corners past thirty is is not good. You know, it's and so it's it's a real thing for that position. Uh, Chris, explain to the the listeners. I know the answer, but so you could explain it a little bit better than I can. Uh, we have a lot of them, and I've had some on the Twitter account ask us. He's gonna get like he's gonna be valuable to somebody somewhere. Why can't you salvage a fifth round pick for Xavier Howard? You mean instead of cutting him? Yeah. Uh, well, I think I think the the issue is going to be the leverage um, with with any sort of attempted trade is uh, is. Everybody knows that Miami is up against it. They started off um, 
God, before the, the salary cap came in and just blew everybody out of the water as far as how big it came. Um, thank you, Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I think the Dolphins started, ended up starting off something like $34 million over the salary cap. And they have some things that they need, need to do this offseason. They have players they need to resign. They have a Christian Wilkins to think about. Um, and, and now there's talk about they're going to franchise tag him or maybe franchise tag him if they can't come to an agreement on a contract because no matter what, they're not letting him escape. You know, um, Miami needs the room to do this, and there's only so many places where you can find that room. You know, this is mm-hmm. not there's not an infinite number of contracts that you can you can edit and restructure and uh, things that you can do in order to get some some space uh, under the salary cap. And so every team talking to us about Xavier Howard would know that we cannot afford to keep him. And so there's zero leverage on the Miami side. The only leverage that you would have is the teams competing against each other. And, uh, and, and then that means that means that Xavier himself comes into play as far as what his leverage is and why does he even need to be cooperative over this whole thing? You know, Mm -hmm. because all you're doing is putting a collar on his neck and limiting his market by having everything go through you as the team. And, uh, you know, especially now that we know that the Dolphins themselves don't have any leverage. So it's just, you know, leverage of the Buccaneers bidding against, you know, the Rams or just just or the Texans or something like that. You know, just two random teams. Um, You know, so I I think that uh, Xavier wouldn't wouldn't be expected to uh, to really cooperate with that and play ball with edits on his existing contract in order to make that happen with a new team. And, uh, and ultimately speaking, I don't think anybody is going to give him the same contract that he had with the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, this is I the think, way it had to go. I think he's going to be pretty attractive to Dallas. Dallas, uh, you know, just, you know, Stephon Gilmore's not going to return. He's 34 years old. I think they'll, they'll, they'll continue with those one-year contracts opposite of Deron Bland. Uh, and they're going to have a predominantly man defense uh, next season. With Zimmer would be the place that I think it would is an interesting landing spot for him as well. You say yeah, it's home. Yeah, Houston's Houston. home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he might give the home discount a little bit there. Mm-hmm. And it's a good spot. It's a good spot to go uh, there or Dallas. You know, uh, that star in your helmet. You know, it's it's always a big deal to everybody. Uh, you know, he is from Houston. I don't know if he, growing up he was a Cowboys fan and he looked at the Cowboys any differently or he doesn't care. You know, he's always liked his money. So maybe that's going to decide one way or the other. Uh, Simon, who's next? Because some have speculated Jerome Baker could be on the way out. I'm speculating that Jerome Baker is going to get an extension, and that's how they're going to deal with his money. But who do you think could be the next sacrifice on this team? Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it was Toronto Armstead, I've got to say. Um, although I, was, I also wouldn't be surprised if Armstead didn't announce that he wasn't retiring. Um, I mean, Baker's interesting because look, Jerome Baker's only 27. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like he's been around for a long time and he won't be 28 until almost the end of the season. Christmas Day, in fact, he'll be 28. You know, there's still plenty in the tank. He's still a fundamentally sound, fundamentally good football player. We looked a different, i.e. worse team when he got injured down the stretch. He makes all the calls. He's a three-down player. You know, he's... Is he Roquan Smith? No, but he is... 
you can win Super Bowls with 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 Jerome Baker unequivocally. You can, um, and I wouldn't be too uh, keen necessarily just to you know to throw that away. I mean, um, I think the interesting name for me will be Armstead. I think there's a significant cash saving to be made uh, if he comes if he's cut after June first. Beyond that, it's difficult to kind of it's difficult to see particularly where you think those names are going to, you know, in terms of guys that are on the roster and high-priced guys at that, you know, it won't be Chubb, it won't be Long, um, you know, and then beyond that, who are we looking at? Mike White, maybe? I mean, is there a massive saving there? Jeff Wilson, you know, beyond that, I don't really see any names that, you know, you can't get rid of, you know, Zach was just signed a new contract, you know, Austin Jackson's just signed a new contract, so I don't really see huge savings to be made anyway. I think there might be some restructures in the pipeline, Jalen Ramsey, uh, Tyreek Hill, for example. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the kind of the looming issue of, uh, you know, Jalen Waddle. Yeah, and Zeal. I think, uh, and by the way, I think uh, you mentioned one, uh, Zach Sealer, he just signed a contract. Yeah, exactly. I, I, mean, I, I think he'll, I, I think he can restructure and I'll tell you why. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Drew Rosenhaus kind of mentioned, you know, there was a way I guess he's trying to convert some of his bonuses or some of his salary into cash, but he says there's a way they can find $4.5 million with, with Zach Sealer. I'm not sure how that is, but Drew Rosenhaus mentioned it, which kind of means that he's well, putting it out in the pipeline. It's that- it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy with, um, with Zach Sealer. Uh, you know, he, he does have a base salary of, of $8 million. And so, you know, anything that you, Anything that you um, and it's funny that that Drew is is really nail nail on the head, um, hitting the nail on the head. The exact amount of restructure value that's actually there in Zach Sealer's contract, um, you know, like o- over the cap, for example, has has about four point seven million dollars worth of um, worth of potential restructure savings uh, if they restructure the contract. What you have to think of though is is a lot of people. Um, take these restructures and they really they really keep it all uh in the conversation of the player um and then they you know and then they talk about you know how hard it'll be to cut the player afterwards and stuff like that what you have to realize that with these restructures is every contract of any size that the team has any base salary of any size that the team has is essentially just functioning as a doorway to the bank it's not having to do with the player himself. All you really need to know is that this player is going to be on your team this coming year. That's it. You don't need to know that he's going to be on this team beyond this year to do a restructure job. Uh, what you need to know is that he's going to be on the team this year, that there's not going to be any reason that you're going to want to have gotten rid of him this year. So if you're confident that a guy is going to be here this year, Zach Sealer is going to be here this year. Um yeah. Then, then you use then it's it's like having a credit card in your wallet, and each credit card that you have in your wallet gives you access to your overall debt level. Like your debt is your debt. I mean, it, you know, so so just the the extra plastic in your card just gives you more access to that debt, and so that's what that's what you have to think of with these restructures. That's why it's like you know, ah, uh, should we restructure Tyreek? Should we restructure Jalen? They're gonna use they're gonna use whatever they need from a pure debt standpoint because this is a debt model. You're taking out debt against your future salary caps, 
um, and they're going to use whatever they need. And the NFL, you're absolutely incentivized to do this. I, I was tweeting about it earlier today. You know, not to get into really complicated economic concepts, but there's there's no interest rate for the debt when it comes to taking taking debt out against your future salary caps. And there is inflation. So everybody's dead cap and, you know, quote unquote, uh, dead cap that they they had walking into this year got 14 percent cheaper because the salary cap raised from two hundred twenty four point eight million to two hundred fifty five point four million. You know, like so the your debt is always getting smaller because of that, because the salary cap keeps rising. So that's why teams are like, you know, yeah, I'm going to borrow against future future salary caps. This is what we're this is what we do. If you don't do that, you're at a competitive disadvantage, mm-hmm. uh, a significant yeah. one, a significant one. You are playing with one hand tied behind your back. And it's not going to be some situation where, you know, ah, they're going to they're going to regret that someday. And and I'm going to be the one who wins. No, <laughs> no. no, you're just going to keep losing. Um, so I think that I think that to keep that in mind with uh, uh, which contracts they restructure, who the who doesn't even really matter. It doesn't. It doesn't. The the how much is what matters. The how yeah. much debt they take. Baker's on the docket for fourteen point eight million this year, but he cleared, uh, converted three million of his twenty twenty two base salary into a signing bonus, and they've therefore added two void years. Um, I, I don't think he'll play on that fourteen point eight seven four million contract. This year, I think they'll do something to, to to that. The other guy that Chris has mentioned a couple of times, actually, and I was just looking at his numbers. I mean, he's due four million this year, I think, and that's Jason Sanders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's due four point five million this year, four point seven million next year, and four point three million the year after. Um, you know, that is a significant amount of money for a for a kicker. Um, you know what I was also thinking about. You know, where's the savings with Thurman Smythe? Did they train up Julian Hill enough to take over Smythe's spot if they draft the tight end? Yeah, Smythe's an interesting one. I just, uh, I'm, but but only for one and a half million. Well, no, yeah, I, I mean, no, that's not that's hit. that's not fair. He is he is. You're right, Simon. Uh, I for once I, I'll get lectured on this one. He is owed <laughs> three three and a half million um, this? of of fresh money this year. Who's that? Uh, Durham Smythe. Oh yeah, yeah. he is. So maybe, but I I don't see it. I think he's too important to the program. I don't see it either. Uh, So you guys don't see Julian Julian Hill stepping into his role with a draftee. I don't think he showed that he's ready to. Okay. All right. Last thing before we go to break, and then when we come back, we'll talk a little combine. Last thing before we go to break, there's a little bravado now coming from from Dolphins headquarters on Christian Wilkins. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know how they're going to do this. But it's, you know, it's been reported by Dan Graziano that they do not plan to let him go anywhere. Your thoughts on this, Simon, because I don't believe it. Like, I don't see how it's it's going to happen, but evidently they're going to try. I mean, they want to keep good football players. I thought it was instructive and intriguing that um he was at the dolphins cancer cycling event the weekend mm-hmm. um yeah. given that he's a he's a free agent he's no longer a you know really. so, was Cedric, so was cedric wilson and that, that was, was cedric uh, wilson. Yeah. <laughs> that um, one you know you know but, i think you can chalk this one up alf directly to the uh the salary cap beat I mean, the salary cap was supposed to be 
teams were projecting, the reports were that they were projecting between 242 and 245 million. Mm-hmm. And it came in at two over 255. And that's, you know, that's not an insignificant beat. And I think that it just provides enough breathing room that it could change concrete plans for the Dolphins. And they'll they'll be saying, you know, listen, if we were if we were about to lose Christian Wilkins because of some few a, a few pinched pennies mm. um, in the discussion, then we're not going to do that anymore. You know, and I think that that really changed it. So, you know, again, thank Taylor Swift for that one. Um, and I, I, when I thought about it, too, I kind of you don't want to mess with. I, I've seen too much tape of the chemistry between Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer, and we got a really great glimpse of it on hard knocks. Um, but there, but it really shows up on tape. There's such chemistry between the two of those guys that you, you know, you could argue that if you keep them to the two of them together, you're, you're making sure that Zach sealer is worth every penny of his own contract and then some. And, and so, you know, if you take the two of them together and what they're going to make, you know, maybe that makes it a little bit more palatable. All right. And we're going to go to break. And when you come back, we're going to talk a little combine. I'm going to talk a little testing. Uh, Keller Williams, by the way, not throwing for anybody ever. Next time you see him throw a pass will be in preseason. <laughs> so uh, that was then earlier today. But first, these words. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, Jorge, and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. When an unexpected damage occurs to your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. Their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed general contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that business homeowners and business owners require. Water Cleanup of Florida is now an authorized dealer of Eurocraft cabinets, so premier kitchen, bath, and laundry cabinetry, countertops, and other accessories are available for your viewing at their showroom in Boca Raton. 
Or do you prefer to shop from your home or office? Then Water Cleanup will send you one of our design specialists to you with samples and products that fit your style and budget. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone if you have any questions at 954 579 That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit the website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram, and please check out their more than eighty five-star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. And we're back. Well, combines up this week, uh, going Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You can check for who's running and testing when on the NFL website. They have a very detailed prospect list and uh, drill list, and at what times. All of it will be televised. Simon, this is the time of year where everybody starts looking at all of these drills and, oh, my God, this offensive tackle from somewhere ran a 4-9. My God. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which drills do you care about? And you can elaborate on which positions because, personally, all three cone stuff for defensive ends and edges, I care about. 40 yard yeah. dash times, I only really care about running backs and wide receivers and cornerbacks. That's it. Everybody else, like, who cares? <laughs> you know, like, why do I care that an offensive lineman ran a 40, a 40 yard dash in 4 9? Yeah, I care about things that the, the kind of the minutiae, you know, I care about the 10 yard splits for offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. I care about, you know, I do care about the 40 in so much as it's just a sexy event to see. But also, you know, I, I care that a lot of these things justify what I've seen on tape. Or if they don't, then it makes me go back and recheck them. You know, if somebody that looks like a... So I, I, I'm doing the, the, the draft guide. And, and yesterday I was looking at Jared Wiley from TCU, who's a... Um, transfer from texas okay and you know he's six foot six foot six 253 pounds built looks like he's built in a lab okay but every clip i saw of him with the ball in his hands he just looks like a plodder mm-hmm. you know and if he turns around and runs a 455 it's going to make me want to go back and look again and think to myself what what am i not, you know is this a stride thing is he a He's just got a longer stride, and I'm not really taking that into account. It, it, it's those sorts of things, you know. I, I'm intrigued by this wide receiver group, and you know, for, for multiple reasons, it, yes, it's a phenomenal group. But when I look at, you know, I look at these receivers. You look at Marvin Harrison, who you know claims he's going to run in the four threes when he does finally run. I know he's not performing here, but you know, you look at Roma Dunze, who's my, arguably my favorite player in the entire draft, ten sixty seven hundred meters. You know, Malik Neighbors, ten seventy one hundred meters. You know. The, the, you, you go through this list of players and you look at... Oh, wait, very quickly. Malik Neighbors is the favorite for best 40 time in... Yeah, I mean... In I, I, the combine. Does he do it? Yes or no? No. no. Okay. There are some, no, I don't believe so either. <laughs> okay. You know, Lad McConkey's run a 10.7500 meters. You, you know, Troy Franklin has run a 10.6500 meters. He was the... You know, he's a state 200 meter champion. Roman Wilson... State hundred meter champion, runner ten seventy six. Uh, Jalen McMillan uh, is a ten sixty seven hundred meter runner. You know this this receiver group is unbelievably quick. Yes, you know, and it goes right down the the board. You know, I'm just scrolling down and looking at these guys and trying to see their hundred meter times. Um, you know, Xavier Worthy ran a ten fifty five yep. in high school. 
you know, and the other Xavier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, these guys are, you know, Jamari Thrash ran an 11 0 200 meters in high school. You know, the, these are Taj Washington was a four by 100 meter state champion, triple three time four by 100 meter state champion who run, ran the final leg. I mean, these guys are absolute flying machines. I mean, there are some seriously quick players in this draft, and I don't think it will be, um, I don't think it will be, um, the guy that you mentioned, but I, I wouldn't surprise me if one of the receivers, but Brendan Rice, Jerry Rice's kid, ran a 10.7700 meters. So, you know, it, they are there's some absolute speed demons in this in this class. Chris, what do you care about, and or better yet, what do you don't care about? I I think um, honestly, I can't I, I I can't isolate just like a particular thing and say that I care about this and I don't care about this other thing because what you're doing is you're adding pieces of information to what we should all always, you know, keep in mind and, and be able to admit is our own imperfect information um, mm. about these prospects. We, we don't, you know, we don't necessarily have the time uh, to do three, four full games of every single of the 300 prospects or whatever that, that um that that play or that will be drafted not not will be drafted but will draft it or sign as priority free agents and so uh you're looking for added pieces of the uh, of information and uh some information there's reason to you know kind of doubt it um or uh i guess um downplay its value um for reasons uh, other information is very valuable um, because it might be that last piece of the puzzle that you were looking for uh, with this player. I'm glad that Simon mentioned, you know, when it comes to a guy who runs faster than you expected, you know, you go back and watch the tape and, and hey, is the power or, or is the problem, sorry, that he's a long strider and maybe I wasn't seeing it or something like that. And I think that's such an important point to make because, um, Guys don't run faster than they are. That's not. That's not. That's not actually. That's that's kind of a myth. Like you, what what you run is what you were able to run, right? Um, that if you can't say that a guy ran a a four two, but he's not capable of running a four two. Clearly, he was running. He was capable of running a four two because he did run a four two. What you can say is that maybe it, it doesn't show up on film the way you might otherwise want it to because of this reason or that. And that could be because he's a long strider or because um, perhaps your visual cues are off because he's a little bigger than than um, than you're thinking or, or some reason. Right. Or maybe you just watch games where he's, you know, he, he's playing against competition that are all four threes and four fours. And you didn't realize that, you know. Um, you thought that he was playing against slow uh, against slow players, and and so you kind of discounted it or something like that. It adds information to the puzzle. Um, I think sometimes the I, I want to say the shuttle and cone stuff is something that I will generally give a positive mark for when you run something really good, but I won't necessarily turn around and give you a big negative when you run something not good. And there are specific reasons for that. I think that those um, those particular drills are pretty esoteric um, as far as how 
how you have to run them, the technique that goes into it and stuff like that. And so once you enter into all this technique stuff and um, it's like, well, what are you really measuring? Are you, are you measuring really how agile this player is, or are you just measuring how good they are running that, you know, very weird drill? You know, it's a, it's a weird set of movements if you really, if you really break it down. Um, so you try not to place any uh, too much emphasis on any one thing to where you're seriously dinging these guys um, for for bad for bad times. I think it's just you know you, you pick and choose based on your own judgment where it's appropriate to say okay, well this this actually added something to the to the picture, um, and this other thing I don't feel like this added anything to the picture because. You know, and as long as you know the answer to that, because then then I think you're okay because this is all just an opinion game anyway. Yeah, on offensive linemen, I've always I've always really cared about how, you know how many times they can throw up twenty five because not that I want to see how strong they are just because they can push two twenty five twenty six times, but if you lift well at the combine, it suggests to me that you do, and uh. I want my offensive linemen to be, you know, I don't want them necessarily to be, you know, cardio junkies, but I want them in the gym pushing weight as much as possible. Uh, I want them in the gym. Okay. I want them lifting. And usually when a guy lifts well, it suggests a good work ethic in, in the gym. Uh, we'll start right there and we're going to work our way down to a couple of these positions. Cause on Thursday, we're going to get in the weeds with actual prospects. But offensive linemen, Simon, I always really cared about that. Uh, your thoughts on what you're looking for? Because I think they're testing on Sunday. So what are yeah. you looking for for offensive linemen? 10-yard split, arm length, uh, you know, especially for tackles. You know, the the intriguing one will be Troy Fatano, who uh, apparently, according to Jim Nagy, measured, senior ball scouts measured him at 34-and-a-half-inch arms, which is, you know, significantly longer than than um than we thought and if that's the case then you know i mean sign me up anyway but really sign me up um obviously the movement skills how they move their feet that those linemen drills i think are very important um you know but i'm not again i'm not overthinking it i'm not it's a piece of the puzzle you know it is not the puzzle um you know i'm not going to allow something that i see on tape uh, at the combine to overpower overshadow something that i've seen in four or five, you know, some of these guys, you know, I try and watch three games of everybody as many as I can, the 300 or so prospects that will go in the guide. And that, you know, that's over, that's live, live in inverted commas or off take games, but also then, you know, it's very easy to be able to find entire uh, games uh, of a certain team on offense or on defense in terms of every snap of the offensive or defensive side of the ball. And, you know, I'm going to watch in detail three of those, but, but guys that I think the Dolphins are going to be significantly interested in who are going to fall into that Dolphin area. So, uh, you know, a wide receiver, that might be a Brian Thomas offensive line. That might be a Jordan Morgan and a, and a Fatanu and a Powers Johnson tight end. It might be Bowers, you know, defensive backs, you know, you're looking at kind of Nate Wiggins, Kool-Aid McKinstry, you know, those kind of edge guys, verse, Latu, et cetera, et cetera, Adisa Isaac. Um, so I'll try and watch five, six games of those guys just because I just have a better handle on it. But again, I don't want to change significantly anything that I've seen in four, five, six games in compared to 
a 15 second drill that somebody does at the, at the scouting combine where they look fantastic yes it's a part of the puzzle yes it's intriguing but no i'm not going to all of a sudden jump somebody up two rounds because they look great in shorts when they mm -hmm. look average in six games that i've seen them against all sorts of competition on tape that's just not going to happen i think that's a mistake that some people fall into probably fell into it myself chris you've probably done the same way back in the day but you kind of learn to understand how these things work and you know especially with social media these days people can get jacked up and but i, I just you know projections are projections for a reason and they're why we love the draft so much because you know we'll all have pick a player we'll all have slightly different opinions a lot of players will have one or two different round opinions on where they might fall but ultimately i think we're all going to know that we're not going to use the combine as this kind of great measuring stick to think well this person is amazing now because they you know they ran a 429 when i thought they were going to run a 445 or whatever it, it, it's a piece of the puzzle and it's the same with offensive linemen same with corners chris isn't it same with receivers whatever to me it's just a piece of the puzzle chris yeah it's an important it can be in a it's only an important piece of the puzzle when um when there's a as I said, a re a specific, and it always has to be kind of a specific reason, a specific reason that it is a piece of the, uh, uh, an important piece of the puzzle to you. Um, and I think that offensive linemen can be kind of a good example too, because um, I would love to look in theory at the 10 yard splits. Um, if I felt like they were always clean, but there's uh, you know, there's the, the combine does this weird thing and, and continues to do it. And, where the the clock doesn't really start until the player starts, and so what that means is like the um, the the guy who is deciding when to start the clock, you know, that decision, you know, whether he did it uh, 0.03 seconds early or 0.03 seconds late, um, you know, especially even even though they do it on they calibrate it on video and and such. Um, it's, it's important. It ends up being, a, and it ends up being like real important if you're trying to parse these 10 yard splits, you know, uh, which, which kind of get crunched up to one another. Um, and so it's hard to even in theory, it's a valuable, it's a very valuable, um, you know, measurement, but in, uh, in practice, it, uh, it can present its own problems. Uh, but for an offensive lineman, you never get the chance. You usually don't get to see them out really out on the hoof on the football field. Right. Um, and, uh, and so I think sometimes we just have to kind of admit our own shortcomings when it comes to judging speed on film. I know we would all like to think that we are great at this and we're also talent talented, um, at, at judging speed on film and, uh, and, and, you know, Oh, well, what's on the tape is what's on the tape. And it's like, yeah, but, but, the people that are watching the tape have a lot to do with saying what's on the tape and what's not on the tape. Um, you know, I, I would say, I've said this before, if you think you're really good at it, then do yourself a favor and, uh, and, and play yourself a video of the guys running a 40 yard dash, uh, crop the screen so that you can't see the results at the bottom and mute the audio so that they don't, so that you don't hear what they ran. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then just watch them one by one. And and jot down what you think they ran, or uh, or if you don't feel like getting doing that, you know, I'll settle. I'll settle for just ordering them, like which you think was fastest, and then second fastest, and then seventh fastest, and then eighth fastest. 
you will have embarrassingly bad estimates of um, of what these guys ran. That's how bad it can be sometimes when we're trying to judge the speed on tape. And so when somebody says, hey, what's on the tape is what's on the tape, you know, it's, it's like you have to keep that in mind that we're not perfect at this. And then when it comes, of course, when it comes to like arm strength and things like velocity on the ball, try doing the same thing except at, at a 3x scale on the speed department because the ball goes three times faster than the players do in the 40. Um, so I think I think that we have to keep that in mind. That's why these measurements exist. That's why uh, they help us. Um, but, you know, you have to you have to make judgment and it's not easy. It's not meant to be easy uh, about about how I want to incorporate what this measurement just did to my evaluation. Um, and no, you don't want to, you know, like I'm not starting from scratch because with a guy because uh, because of what he what he ran at the combine. Um, that's not that's not supposed to be the thing but it is going to give me some perspective and uh and you got to accept the uh the perspective when it when it there's reason to believe that it's valuable yeah. breaking news uh the jets have released lake and tomlinson who oh. started yeah. 114 straight games at guard and obviously was a fairly significant piece of mike mcdaniel's run game when he was at the 49ers that's a, and that would be an interesting pick up uh although he was you know if you hear jet fans talk about it they say he was bad i'm gonna have to dig in a little bit deeper but that would be an interesting ad well you know it's not it doesn't matter unless we lose robert hunt but right. um but you know we might <laughs> yeah we don't know what he's we don't know what his contract demands are yeah no th that hunt contract is going to be one of the more interesting negotiations in ages because at what point do you just say, do you fall back on he's a guard, you know? Yeah, once right, you, right. Once you start getting the 14, 15 million a year, you start thinking about this is not Quentin Nelson. This is a guy that we really, really like, you know? But this is not Quentin Nelson. He's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, no, I'm not buying this. Uh, moving on to pass catchers, Simon, it really has to be the tape, right? Because... Uh, these 40 times and watching them run around in their underwear catching passes is it's just that's just made for TV. But that those 40 times are going to be confirmation for our biases that we already built watching tape. Uh, I understand that it's Kent State, but I saw Brock Bowers take a end around 75 yards for a touchdown in a college football game. I don't care if it was I don't care who against who it was against it's against Kent State. Yeah, who cares? 75 yards, a tight end. He's gonna blaze a four-five flat or something like that at the combine, and I think that could move him outside of reach for some for somebody like Miami at twenty-one. So, but, but will it though? Because you know, I don't think anybody's coming into the combine thinking that Brock Bowers is anything other than a guy who's got great top-end speed for for somebody. At six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds to create explosive plays. I mean, we've seen him for three years do exactly that. Mm -hmm. The biggest surprise would be would be to me that if he didn't run a four five, so I don't expect his forty time to change his draft position. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Do you, Chris? I don't. I, I don't see that as a. 
You know yeah, what? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of it's sort of like, and this gets back to like, does the guy run or does he not run? Because what does he have to gain? What does he have to lose? Um, and you know, in this case, I think you're right. Brock Bowers potentially more to lose than to gain. Um, he'll do it anyway, I'm sure. But uh, but yeah, I think I think yes, you would you would be expecting that. I just just always caution with that position that we're in the midst of some kind of thing happening, both at the running back position and in the tight end position where, you know, the position values are fizzling um, in terms of how much teams are willing to allocate to it. And I think that they're, they're in a bit of free fall. Um, And so, you know, Brock Bowers for a lot of people is a slam dunk top 10 pick. Right. And, and has been for a, a while. And they've been talking about that for a long time. And and I've always kind of cautioned, you know, he might be in a little bit more in Miami's range of 21 than you might have expected. And, and that's just a position value thing. And um, and so I think that that's, you know, that's something to pay attention to. People say, I was like, oh, Kyle Pitts, you know, he went, you know, as high as he went, number four, I believe. And uh, it's like, yeah, but um, I, I think, I don't think that's working out too good. <laughs> You know, and if you look at the first round tight ends, it, it's it's been tough. It's been a tough history. And uh, I think teams are taking account of it. I think they're throwing up their hands a little bit and uh, they're saying, well, then fine. You know, we're just not going to we're just not going to use premium assets on this. Yeah, yeah Simon, uh, this this time of year brings back uh, my favorite next gen stats, their score breakdowns. I got a, I got a question for you since we're talking tight ends last five years. Which tight end got the best athleticism score from Next Gen Stats? Uh, God knows. I, I, I mean, probably Pitts. Nope. No, it's probably it's probably Noah Fant. Oh, okay. Nope. <laughs> it's not. No, you ready? Okay. You ready for this Go one? Ahead. At six six, two hundred and forty seven pounds, Mike Gasecki out of Penn State. Around oh, a four right. five four forty yard dash, a forty one and a half inch vertical, and pushed two twenty five twenty two times. That's uh, he he was he was you know he had he, had he went in the second round. Definitely. So yeah, Simon's right. I think I I just looked it up because you know I, I I look at the relative athletic score. Um, I've you know it's been a, it's been a nice shortcut, and uh, and Mike Gesicki did indeed have a nine point nine seven. RAS and uh, Noah Fant had a 9.88. And so, uh, yeah, Mike Gesicki edged him out there. Um, But, you know, Gesicki's issue, the reason ultimately why he isn't still in Miami, I still insist on this to this day. It's not necessarily the blocking. You know, I know that 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 certainly didn't help, but I don't think anybody ever watched the film in Chris Greer's office or, or whatever and said, you know, hey, we can fix him as a blocker. <laughs> I don't think that was ever, ever really um, gonna gonna happen. I don't think Mike McDaniel's foolish enough for that. I don't think uh, uh, John Embry is foolish enough for that. Um, but the reason they franchise tagged him and paid him and you know tested it out to see if he worked was because they wanted to see if he if he was compatible with the pass with Miami's passing game, and he's not because he is that long strider. He's that long strider rebounding jumper. And uh and and in this offense that's not exactly what they're going for. Yeah. Well, that's why the, that's what tape is king this time of, of the year. Even 
even if they blow away the combine this weekend, tape is king. Well, we're going to call it right here. And on Thursday, when we come back, we're going to be intense. We're going to be combine intensive. We're going to get into some individual uh, athletes to watch on these four days. I'll be glued to the TV as everybody else will, especially these wide receivers. Like this is as good. It keeps getting better and better every year. I guess we could go out on this best uh, best unit group we're going to see this weekend. I think it's a runaway. The wide receivers. Your thoughts, Simon, and then we could get out of here. Yeah, it's definitely wide receivers. And, and, and actually, the the point that you made just a minute ago about uh, times and 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 about as to me, actually, the the important people to look for in this the combine are, are players like you know, Jalen Polk at Washington, who I have a first round grade on, Keon Coleman at Florida State, um, Lad McConkey at Georgia, guys that are on the periphery of the first, Troy Franklin, Roman Wilson, you know, guys that are sort of on the periphery of the top 50, Ricky Pearsall, Malachi Corley. These are the interesting guys that, that I think, you know, some teams might take a chance on, you know, Andy Reid. Is Andy Reid going to see a, you know, a, a, an Adnai Mitchell or an Xavier Worthy or a, you know, a Troy Franklin or a Pearsall or a McConkey or, a, you know, one of these guys at the back end of round one and think, you know what, I can pair them. They're a field stretcher. They're around a 435. They kind of confirm what I saw on tape and I can pair them with a Rashi Rice and, you know, the guys that I've got on offense and, you know, we can we, we can make something happen, you know, uh, with this Chiefs offense. Guys that you just think might sneak into the back end of the first round or early second round portion who might be in the sort of the 50 the 45 region at the moment who then just absolutely blaze a trail at the combine. Those to me are the guys that are really, you know, I don't need to see Roma Dunze run a 436, which he probably will end up. I don't need to see Malik neighbors do it. But for those guys that are sort of sniffing around that sort of 25 to 55 area, that's where you could really make yourself a little bit of money. If you, if you run well and you perform well, it, that, that isn't, um, jumping people up massively just because of what they do on the uh, the combine. That's confirming what you've seen on tape and then just ticking those final boxes that, you know, they're not the elite athletes like a Harrison, like a Terry and Arnold is going to be, like a Bowers is going to be. They're in that second tier, but they just elevate themselves a little bit more because of what they did at the combine. But that, that's the interesting thing for me, I think. All right. I think we could get out of here on this. On Thursday, we're going to do a lot of combine talk. We'll talk about a lot of these prospects in depth. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions.
Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.